Good morning. <clears throat> Threw you guys a uh, curveball today, taking communion a little earlier. Some of you guys are so confused. You're like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do here. So just trying to get you guys awake, especially you high schoolers, man. You guys are all great. Like, uh, uh, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Um, we're glad you guys are here today. Um, uh, my name's Jake. I want to welcome you guys to the Crossings Church. Uh, we are so excited that you guys are here to visit with us today. And uh, if you're members, I guess we're excited as well. <laughs> um, no, but uh, we got a lot of cool things going on around the church. And I wanted to point your attention to some, some things going on in our bulletins before I jumped into the sermon today. Um, first off, we have a lot of our student ministries. We really do emphasize uh, impacts on, on children. Uh, we really believe that the children are the next generation. I've said this before. Uh, I don't know if it's been here on the stage or not, but I believe that the next hundred years of the Christian faith is heavily dependent on how we raise our kids today. Uh, what the world looks like in the Christian faith is really going to depend on what our kids get and they learn from today. And so here at the Crossings Church, I, I think that we have a huge emphasis on our children to raise them up to be the next generation of disciples. And so with that being said, um, we spend a lot of time in the summer doing things for our kids like camps. And so if you guys uh, see at the back of your guys' bulletins, we actually have the camps. They're starting soon. This week coming up, actually tomorrow, is our uh, day camp for our kids that are, I believe it's pre-K, um, like five to seven years old, I believe. So if you have a child like that, it's still not too late to sign them up for that. And then next week's not this Monday, but the following Monday, we actually have our overnight camp for our first round of overnight camps, and that's uh, that would be June 11th through the 15th, and that's out at Gasconade. And actually, it looks like day camps on there too. So if you guys are interested with your little kids, um, if they are fifth grade and under, um, these two camps are right around the corner, and you guys are more than welcome to sign your kids up. Uh, if you have a friend that has a kid that just wants to get them away for a little bit, you know, it's a great time to be there. We have a junior high and high school camp that's going to be later at the end of the summer as well. Um, so whatever camps are in your guys' context for the people you know, you know, sign them up. It's a great time. Camp season is the best season here at the Crossing Church, I believe, because it fires up our kids. It gives them an opportunity to find community. We have other churches that we've partnered with that they get to go spend some time in some cabins with other kids in the same age, just with the same struggles. And uh, they just come back so fired up for their relationship with God and, and, and transform the way that they choose to think, the way that they choose to act and live. Um, and so those things, you know, make notes of those. Uh, as well as that, there is a little invite sheet for the Tuesdays in the Park for our junior high ministry. And so with school being out, it's finally out. Um, for parents, once again, you're like, oh, great, the kids are back home all day. They're going to drive me crazy. <laughs> um, here's an opportunity to get them out for a little bit. So for our junior high kids, we have a Tuesdays in the Park um, out in Troy. And that's actually for all of our students. It's not just for the junior high kids. Our, our high school students and our college kids are out there as well. And so if you are a student and you're just looking for something to do throughout the summer, come on out to the Tri-Township Park out in Troy and on Tuesday nights, and there will be a group there. We usually, people just kind of bring a snack uh, to share, and uh, we spend a lot of time out there together, and it's just a great time in the summer. So uh, it's a good way to stay connected with our student ministries while school's out. So we are in the middle of a sermon series. Um, this year that it's been it, we've actually been in it since the beginning of the year and it's on this idea of to be continued and what we believe is as we read through scripture and we see in the book of acts sometimes we read through it like a storybook and we think it's man that was cool that that happened way back when 
But if you really read it intently on, on practically applying the things that you're learning in the book of Acts, you find out very quickly that it's not really a storybook, but it's, it's meant to be passed on to another generation. That the story that you read in the book of Acts is meant to be continued in the disciples' lives today. And that the whole, the whole push in the book of Acts is to set and send a message to future disciples of continue what we have started. There was, a, there, there was a man who died on a cross and we've chosen to live our lives for him and serve this God. And these are the things that have happened because of us. But, you know, persevere, continue the story so that this message never dies. And so here at the Crossing Church, what we're trying to do is we're trying to learn what we can do to, to, to look at these stories, look at the examples that were set in the first century in the book of Acts, and continue those things by learning their character traits, learning their examples, and learning how they applied these same principles in their lives so that we can apply to ours. And a couple weeks ago, I talked about um, a guy named Stephen and Philip that we kind of focus more on, or Peter, I'm sorry, uh, we focus, no, yeah, it was Philip, yeah. Um, we talked about Stephen and Philip, and we focus more on Philip's life because Philip uh, had a longer life. And what we're going to do today is we're going to focus more on Stephen's life, his short life. And the idea is uh, today that, that our lesson is themed ride or die with Jesus, you know. And when I think about the word ride or die or the, or the you know, the, the quote ride or die, I think about deep friendships, right? Um, have you guys ever seen Bad Boys, you know, the, the movie Bad Boys and and Will Smith and Martin Lawrence, they're like ride-or-die partners, right? That they, they go through thick or thin, right? And no matter what, what, what life brings in their lives, it's, 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 some, it's, it's good shows, um, but it's cool to see that no matter what happened in their, in their lifestyle, that they chose to stick together through thick and thin. And I, I really do believe that that is Stephen's, you know, Stephen's stance on his relationship with God and his relationship with Jesus. And you ask that question as a Christian... It's the question that everyone has an answer for, but nobody really knows until it happens, is would you die for your faith? You know, when, when people ask that question to Christians, they say, well, would you die for your faith? If somebody put a gun to your head today and said, deny Jesus, would you do it? And I think a lot of times religion kind of gets caught in this, this, this question that they're like, well, if you can't answer that question then you're not really a Christian. And you need to evaluate your faith and you need to get more faith, you know, or whatever it may be. Um, and we just don't have the answer to that question, you know. But then there's, there's, this, there's this thought that I think sometimes Christians to save face say, oh yeah, I'll die for, I'll die for Jesus. I would, die, I would die in an instant for Jesus. I went underneath that water and I would totally happen. It would, totally, it would totally happen in my life. I would, I would just instantly die. And, and, I, and I believe that if I'm being honest with my own personal life, I would like to say that that would be my answer, but I'm not going to know until the opportunity brings itself upon me. You know, we'd all say that, right? What if a gun was to our kid's head and said, deny your faith or I'm going to kill your kid? What would our answer be then? You see, because a ride or die would say, it doesn't matter whose, whose head the gun's pointed at, I'm going to die for it regardless. And I hate that Christians present that, that question as a way that challenges people's faith, 
Because the reality is that we don't know those answers until we put that circumstance in front of us. But all we can do right now is look at our lives and say, we don't need to answer that question today because we're not presented with that opportunity today. But we need to focus more on living for Jesus today rather than answering a question that may never happen in our lives. And if we can live a life like that, where we choose to die to Jesus daily in our lifestyles, then I do believe if that opportunity ever presented itself to us, we may be more prepared and mature to make an answer to that question when that time does arise. You see, I think a lot of times we, we want to answer that question, but we don't live a life that would give an example of what that question, what the answer would be. And that's what I think we can learn from Stephen, is because Stephen was presented with an opportunity to ride or die. But I don't think it was just because of one day that made Stephen feel the way that he felt. I think on a daily level, Stephen made decisions. On a daily level, Stephen died to himself. And Stephen formed a habit in his life, in, 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 a, in a, a relationship that he had with Jesus, to get him to a stage and to a point where he was ready and willing to die for his faith. And it happened. And as I stand on the stage today, I don't know the answer to that question if somebody asked me that question. I would like to say, yes, I would die for my faith. But the reality is, is that I don't know that answer. But I do know that I want to know the answer. I want to have a solid faith in Jesus that would say, yes, this is, this is it. So I want to continue to learn from Stephen's life to get myself in a position to mature my faith that I could feel that way. Because when you can get yourself in a position in life, and I know that there are people, I know people in the Christian faith that would for sure die for their faith, and I, and I see it. And I want that kind of faith. <laughs> like, I want the kind of faith that people have that like, you can clearly tell, like, no, dude, they're, they're for real. And as I'm sitting here trying to build that myself, I look at Stephen's life and say, man, there's so many things we can learn from his life. If we really do want to be a ride-or-die disciple in our relationship with God, there's so many things we can learn from Stephen's story in the small amount of time that he was here on earth. It says in Revelation 2.10, it says, Do not be afraid of what will happen to you. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you. You will suffer for 10 days, but be faithful even if you have to die. If you are faithful, I'll give you the crown of life. That's what we should be aspiring for, right? That's the kind of faith that we should want to have. And if that's true, we can look at Stephen's life and figure out a lot of cool things that he gave to us because of his small time in the book of Acts. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And so... We're talking about four things today. If you guys want to follow along with us, there's a piece of notes in your bulletin that you guys can uh, follow along with, and the verses and the points will be along with that as well. Um, but we're going to talk about some ride-or-die things that we can see in, in Stephen's life today to get us to that idea. And the first thing that I see <clears throat> is that I build my trust in Jesus. I build my trust in Jesus. It says in Acts 6, 5, it says, Stephen was a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Okay, so this faith that it's talking about here with Stephen, like this isn't that type of faith that like the American, like the American version of faith has, has completely watered down. Because when you hear faith in, in the American culture, what you tend to hear is, uh, I, I acknowledge God, that's faith. I believe that there's a higher power, so I have faith in it. Right? And it's more like an acknowledgement that there's something, there's an intellectual belief or that there's a feeling of something else. And, and, and if you look in the American culture, that's what they would define faith as. You just got to believe. 
But this faith that they're talking about with Stephen, this idea of being full of faith, is much, much more than acknowledgement. But the word faith, when you look at it more, more intently in Scripture, it comes more with a bond of trust than it does an acknowledgement. And so when you look at Stephen's life and this idea that it's a trust that contains and compels obedience to trust the Father, to trust God, to trust Jesus, to obey what they have put in life, in life for us, that faith will look a little bit different than an acknowledgement. And Stephen understood that, and he was full of that, and that's how he built his trust in Jesus. And then it goes on and it says that the Holy Spirit was there. It says that he was full of faith in the Holy Spirit, right? And the Holy Spirit essentially empowers us to do God's will. It gives us the direction and it gives us the leadership to do God's will. But there's an interesting point here, and I don't talk about the Holy Spirit a lot, but I want us to understand the idea of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is something that's supposed to guide us to do God's will. But I don't know if you've ever heard people in your life, I've heard a lot of people in my life, that, that use the Holy Spirit as a crutch or as, um, as a poor example of a lack of faith. You know, because I've had people in my life that will say, you know, I'm just, I'm just led by the Spirit. You know, because I, I, I don't need to be at church because I'm just led by the Spirit. I don't, I don't need other Christians in my life because the Spirit leads me. God, God leads me and I don't need these things. And I, I want to I encourage you guys today, if, you, if you've ever heard that, if you've ever felt that, that the reality is, is the, that these two principles are stacked upon one another. That it's, it's, it's very hard to be led by the Spirit if you don't have a faith that's trusting. That so many times that the culture that we live in, we have this, we have this self-inspired theology. It's, it's, it's this religion that's being created in the American culture that says, I don't need God's word. All I need is God's presence. I don't need God's instructions. All I need is an acknowledgement that he exists and he will lead me. And what we're doing is we're building a character of, of who God is. And it's not the true character of who God is. You following me? Because we, we, we believe that, oh, God is so graceful. God's so patient. God's so kind. God's so loving. There, there's, there's no harshness in God's life. Jesus was the same way. Everybody loves Jesus. Everybody loves God. So I, I do. And we, and we start to create this narrative and we miss out on some key components of the character of who God truly is through his scripture. And, and I think we have to be very careful when we talk about the Holy Spirit leading us. Because I'm going to be honest with you guys. If you're not obedient to the scripture, you're not really being led by the spirit. It doesn't work that way. Because the Holy Spirit would never contradict what God's word says. And so when we say we're led by something that contradicts what God's word says, that's not the Holy Spirit leading us. That's our own selfish ambition. That's our own twisted, you know, inspired theology of what it looks like to be in a relationship with God. But Stephen understood this, and he knew that being full of faith, being full of a trusting, obedient faith was going to give him the tools for the Spirit to lead him in that same direction. You see, you know, you look at the, at the council that he challenged, you look at the Pharisees, once again, there wasn't a Spirit leading them because there wasn't an obedience and a trusting faith that went along with it. In Hebrews 10.38, says, The person who is right with me will live by trusting in me, but I will not be pleased with the one who turns back in fear. But we are not those who turn back and are lost. No, we are people who have found faith and are saved. 
You see, you could take that word turn back in fear and you could place any sin in there. Turn back to selfish ambition. Turn back to lust. Turn back to addiction. Because that's the reality of what fear really is. You see, to turn back to an old life is, is, more, is, is more about accommodating a culture because of being afraid in this culture that we live in today. It's much, much easier to live in comfort. It's much, much easier to go under the radar. It's much, much easier to not stand up for our faith. So our culture wants us to live in a way that doesn't accommodate faith. Our culture wants us to live in a way that contradicts our faith. And so when we turn back in fear because of the culture, because of the world that we live in, we're really turning back to our old sinful ways to please the crowd. And Stephen knew that he couldn't do that in the midst of what was going to happen in his life. So if we're talking about this idea of building faith, let's look at, at three quick ways that we can build our faith. And these are simple principles. We've heard these before, I'm sure. But three quick ways that we can build our faith. One is you've got to learn the scriptures. You've got to read the Bible. We've got to learn scripture. It doesn't come from anything else. Romans 10, 17, that's a side note you can write down. But in Romans 10, 17, it literally talks about how faith comes from hearing the word. You can't build a faith by making it up yourself. We have to build our faith based on what Jesus says. We have to build our faith based on God's commands. Stephen understood this very clearly because if you look at what Stephen's life had in in those small chapters in Acts 6 and Acts 7, if you see the time that Stephen spent addressing and challenging people, he wasn't speaking on his own account. You know, he he wasn't talking about like, I believe you guys are wrong. I believe you guys are sinful. I believe you guys are doing this. But the majority... Of what, of what Stephen said in the 52 verses that he talks and challenges people, about 95% of those verses are him reciting scripture. About 95% of the verses that Stephen talks about are him retelling the scriptures or using scripture to challenge the people that he was meant to address. You think about that. It's a lot of time. Does 95% of your dialogue come from scripture? <laughs> you know? When we talk about challenging our, our, our friends or our families, does it come from that? Proverbs 22, 17 through 19 says, Listen, and I will teach you what the wise have said. Study their teachings, and you will be glad if you remember them and can quote them. I want you to put your trust in the Lord. That's why I'm going to tell them to you now. You see, there's a huge problem in the Christian faith, and I'm, I'm a part of the problem. Because we spend so much time focusing on things that just don't matter. How many of us can, can remember and quote sports stats from the last couple weeks? How many of us can give, give the points and the assists and the rebounds of guys that had games in the last couple weeks? How many of us can know how many teams certain guys have played for and where they played and where they went? How many, and girls, you're not the hook either, how many of you girls can remember books that you have read in the past and storylines and plot lines and certain quotes from certain things, right? And I'm not going to, I'm not going to genderize it here. I'm sure some men read, most of us don't, but you know, we'd rather watch the movies. How many of you men remember the quotes from movies, you know, and we can sit here and we can say things. I remember that, that there are movies that I watched when I was 10 years old and I haven't seen it since, but I can tell you a direct quote from it, you know? commercials that we've heard time and time and time again, right? You guys, I, I got kids, right? And you think of that, you guys ever seen Inside Out? That, that, and they, they keep 
dropping that memory down, the, the triple dink, gum, da, 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 right? and, and they keep singing over and it gets in the head. That's literally like because we've spent so much time in certain things and we've got ourselves involved in so many things in life, we memorize those things because they're just a part of our lives. And then when it comes to scripture, I've used the same excuse and I say, I'm just not good at memorizing. I'm just not good at it. I just don't know it. Hey, what's that one, what's that one quote from, uh, from Dumb and Dumber when they're, when they're sitting in the car and he, he wants to make the, the sound? I'm like, oh, you mean when he says, hey, you want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? And then he does it, right? I can remember that. How come I can remember that? But I can't remember this book. Oh, so-and-so, this, this sports guy, you know, I grew up in playing sports. I, I can sit here and I can talk about different sports cardinals. I can give you all these different players that have played over the last 20, 30 years. How come I can remember that, but I can't remember Scripture? And I think a lot of times we remember things that we care about. And we forget things that we don't. And Stephen understood that the majority of the things that he had talked about were through scriptures because he cared about them. And my question and my challenge to us today is it do you remember scripture because you care about it? Or do we use the excuse that we don't remember scripture because we're not capable of it? You see, there's going to be a big difference in the way we live our lives when we know scripture and that's the things that we remember the most rather than using the excuse that it's just too hard. And Stephen knew that. And he used that through his life. So we have to learn the scriptures. Second, we have to lean on strong believers. These will stack on one another. You'll lean on strong believers. You're going to lean on people who know scripture. <laughs> you know, like, you don't want to lean on Christians that don't know scripture. You don't. You don't want to go get advice from people that are just going to give you their own advice if they don't know Scripture. Look at what it says in 2 Timothy 3.10 about this idea of, of, of leaning on strong believers. This is Paul, who's been a pillar of faith at this point for these people. And, and Timothy is a young preacher this time. And Paul talks to Timothy and he says, You have been a good student. You have closely observed how I have lived you followed my instructions, my habits, my purpose, my faith, my patience. You've watched how I love and have seen how I endure. You've been with me through persecutions. Now, if you read that, you might have thought I, I contradicted myself because it sounds like Timothy just did what Paul told him to do. And he just listened to Paul and just followed Paul. But you have to know Paul's life to understand that him being a strong believer was based on his knowledge of Scripture. You see, because if, if you read about Paul and you understand Paul's life, you find out very quickly that his instructions were instructions that God gave him, that his habits were habits based on God's principles, that his purpose was given through a relationship that he had with God, that his faith was made complete because of his trust in God, that his patience was a fruit that was given because of his faith in God. How he loved and how he endured were all principles that God had given him. 
You see, we have to lean on strong believers, but we need to lean on believers that know God's word and live by God's word. Not just because they're charismatic, not just because they're a good public speaker, not because they have their life together with their job or their marriage or their finances. We don't need to lean on those people just because at face level they have those things. But if they don't live by the scriptures, if they don't know the scriptures, then they're not strong believers. And so I, I ask you, even when you're trying to get advice and you lean on people, who do you lean on? Do you lean on people that have the worldly successes that you desire? Or do you lean on people that have the faith that you desire? There's a big difference between the two. And Paul and Timothy knew that. And then thirdly, you've got to put them together with an application to listen and obey. You know, it's, it's, not, it's kind of pointless to, to, to listen and read Scripture and, and listen to, to other mature people in your life if you're not willing to obey Scripture and you're not really, really li- willing to listen. You know, as a teacher, as I used to be a teacher for a couple years, and I don't know how many of you teachers, there might be some teachers in here too, even when you guys are students. How many of you guys ever heard this? You hear me, but you're not really listening. Anybody heard that before? Or said that before to somebody else, right? It's like, you hear the noise because somebody's talking, but you're not really listening to what's being said. I get so frustrated when people say that to me. <laughs> Where they're like, you hear it, but you're not really listening. And I'm like, one of two things is, one, I don't want to listen to it because I don't, I don't care. Or two, I don't, want, I don't respect who you are, so I'm not even going to listen and acknowledge it in the first place because I don't want to do that. You know, and so that's kind of what goes hand in hand here is that you have to have application because if you're going to spend time with wise people, if you're going to spend time with mature disciples, they're probably going to give you some advice. They're probably going to give you some instruction. They're probably going to give you some help. But are you just going to hear it? Or are you actually going to listen to it? When you read scripture, you can memorize it. You can know it. But how does that make you any better than a Pharisee? Right? Didn't they know scripture? They probably have it memorized better than most of us. You know? How does, how does that make us any different? How does that make us any, how's that going to produce a life change just to have knowledge? So you don't have to be a Bible scholar to be a disciple. You just got to be somebody who can read and, do, and does what it says. You know? There's got to be application. There's got to be obedience. John 7, 17, it says, Anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. That's a good proof, right? Whenever we're spending time with people and they're giving us wisdom and they're giving us advice. It says, you want to know if what I'm saying is just my own selfish ambition, if it's my own intent to control you, or if it's really God speaking through me to you? Do it and see what happens. You know? See if your life changes because... If you hate your life after the advice I gave you, then maybe it's not God. Maybe I am just trying to control you and, and turn you into something different. But if you do what I say and you look at your life and you're like, man, I'm in a better place now. I'm happier. I'm glad I made that decision. I'm glad I listened. I'm glad I obeyed. Maybe that is God talking. Maybe that is God wanting us to have something else. And so we have to learn 
to build our trust in Jesus. We have to learn what that looks like. We, ha we have to have application in our lives for this, for this process to happen. Second thing we can learn from Stephen's life is that we've got to expect treatment like Jesus. We've got to expect treatment like Jesus. Well, what does that mean? Well, you know, if you don't know Scripture, maybe that means like, well, people love Jesus. Everybody loves Jesus. Everybody spent all the time with Jesus. Everybody just wanted to go to Jesus for advice. And he had, he had a huge following, and, and he had a family, and he had friends. And I should expect that same treatment, right? That I'm going to have family, and I'm going to have friends, and I'm gonna, everybody's going to love me, and I'm going to have crowds around me. And that's, that's what I should expect, right? Well, you know, I don't think you know Scripture, right? I don't, I don't know if you know everything about Scripture, because that's part of it. Like, you're going to have some good times in life, but... You need to read scripture if you think that's all you're going to expect in this life if you're going to be a Christian. Because what happened to, here's what happened to Stephen in Acts 6, right? Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. There's the good stuff, right? I should expect that. Well, and then verse 9 kicks us off, right? It says, opposition arose, however from members of the synagogue of the freedmen and Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the provinces of Sicilia and Asia, who began to argue with Stephen. But they could not stand up against the, we uh, of wisdom, <laughs> the wisdom the Spirit of God gave as he spoke. Then they secretly persuaded some men to say, we have heard Stephen speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. So they stirred up the people and the elders and the teachers of the law, and they seized Stephen and brought him before the Sanhedrin. We're supposed to expect that, guys. <laughs> like, that's, that's not a fun lesson or sermon to preach about today, right? That there's some, there's some things we should expect in life, and, and opposition is one of them. Have you guys ever been persecuted for your faith? Have you ever had somebody that stands in opposition? Have you ever had somebody that looks at you and says, I don't like you because of what you believe? You know, it's one thing to feel that, right? But then it's another thing for them to create a narrative around false things. You see, we get that a lot here in the Crossings Church. And I think, honestly, any disciple that lives according to God's word gets this. But I don't know how many times I've studied the Bible with college students at SIU's campus. And I've given them truth through God's word. Because we've sat down and we've read scripture together. And I've pointed things out. And then they, they disagree. And I'm like, cool. That's your, that's, your, that's your fight with God, then not me. I'm still going to love you. I'm still going to be your friend. But if you don't agree with this, I mean, that's between you and God. And I've watched people like that leave. And, the, and they've dismissed the relationship. And they've taken it personal towards me instead of towards God. And then a narrative starts, and you start to see people say, hey, that Jake guy, he's just trying to control people. That church he's a part of, they're just, they're just a cult. They're just trying to brainwash people. They're just trying to take money from people. And then it starts to become a false narrative. And I've seen that happen time and time again, and it sucks. And the reality is, is that's what we should expect. There's nothing we can do 
to defend worldly behavior. We can't. And it's so unfortunate that that's the way that the world fights, guys, because if I'm going to be honest with you, the world doesn't fight fair. If you're going to be a Christian, if you're going to look at the faith that God has set in front of us, you've got to understand the world's not going to fight fair. Literally, these people spread lies about Stephen. said he spoke against Moses and against God. But if Stephen was led by the Spirit, once again, he's not going to contradict what God said. You know, some scholars may say like, oh, well, maybe he did spoke against Moses or God. Like, maybe he did say something wrong, you know? Maybe he did mess up. Not if you're led by the Spirit. Not if you're led by faithful obedience. Maybe you say something wrong, you know, like I do all the time from stage and mess up, you know. But I'm not trying to directly speak in contradiction to God. And more times than not, when I speak and I say something that I don't mean, it's because I don't know the scriptures as much as I should. And so I have to go back and I have to look through things and be like, man, I should have said that differently. Man, I, I said that because I got on a tangent. I started saying what I thought would kind of flow the point better instead of saying what God wanted me to say in the first place. But never was that out of contradiction. And Stephen was no different. But yet the people didn't care. They spread lies regardless. They challenged his character and talked about him differently than he actually was. And guys, here's, this is the point. Is you, may, you may never have a gun pointed to your head one day. You may, you may never have to die for your faith. But you will be persecuted in this life if you're a Christian. That will happen. It's not going to be every day, but it will happen. In John 16, 33, it says, I told you this so that my peace will be with you. In the world, you will have trouble. But cheer up, I have overcome the world. 1 Peter 4, 12, my friends, do not be surprised at the painful things you are now suffering. These things are testing your faith. So do not think that something strange is happening to you. 2 Timothy 3, 12, 13. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ will be persecuted. While evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Does that say, in fact, some of you guys that are really bold will be persecuted? No. It says, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life. And so, guys, this is a trait that I think we got to get prepared for. we got to get ready for because life isn't, life isn't a box of chocolates. You know, <laughs> like there's, there's things that are going to suck in life. There's things that are going to, the persecutions will come. And like I said, that's not all of life, but this is a sermon we've got to talk about at some point, guys, that the Christian faith is going to bring some hardships. There's going to be some hard things in life. And when the rubber meets the road and we, and we come to those crossroads in our lives where, where persecution happens, our response is highly going to define the type of true, authentic faith that we have in Jesus. Are we going to back down to not make waves and slide back into, into a more passive state? Or are we going to stand up for our faith like Stephen did? We've got to understand that there's going to be treatment like that that happens. So that brings us to our third point, that in those, in, in those moments, I have to maintain my focus on Jesus. When persecution hits... When times are tough, we have to maintain our focus on Jesus. It says in Acts 7, 55 and 56, 
You know, this is, this is literally after the stoning had happened of, of, of Stephen. This is after they had pulled him out, dragged him out, after he had said the hard things to them, after they were so upset and angry that they wanted to kill him. This is him literally about to die, laying there. It says, Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked to heaven and saw God's glory and Jesus standing at the right side of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right side of God. You see, in the midst of persecution, we have to maintain our focus on God. And I believe that Stephen was able to maintain that focus because of some things that he saw. And here's three things that I think that Stephen saw in those moments that helped him maintain that focus and not bow down to the persecution, to not give up or give in. One was he saw his eternal home. Right? He said, I see heaven opened. When we go through hardships and when we go through things in life that just aren't fair, when we have our coworkers or our friends on the basketball court or our classmates or our closest friends or our family members say hard things to us, sometimes I think we have a fear if we say the things that we should, we stand up for our faith, that we could potentially lose those things. I don't want to lose my relationship with my family. I got a good thing going on this court. Like I don't, want th- I don't want kids to look at me differently whenever I'm playing on this court because they know that I've said certain things. I don't want my classmates to treat me like I don't want to be an outsider anymore. Like I, I feel comfortable with what I have. Well, if that's the way that we feel, we're not remembering that like, this isn't our home. We're, we're not meant to find comfort here. We're not meant to find an eternal resting place here. We're meant to be here for a short period of time because it's not really our home. We're meant, we're meant to be here to help other people. We're meant to be here to bring people with us one day. And we can't do that if we're trying to build our own home here for our life. We can't do that if our whole focus on life is to just build this home for us that one day we're going to die. And Stephen understood that. He saw his eternal home in the midst of all this stuff. He said, I saw heaven open up. So what, you know, what are you building? Where is your home right now? What, what are you so focused on? What, what, what are you trying to establish? Because when we, when, we, when we can maintain our focus on this not being our home, it's a lot easier to maintain our focus in the midst of persecutions to say those things and to be bold and to stand and persevere. Second, it said he saw Jesus' approval because it says that he saw the Son of Man standing in heaven. He saw Jesus standing in heaven. He saw Jesus' approval. I want to read you something that I found in a book. Um, There's a Christian author named Beth Moore, and she has this book called, it's, it's about Paul. It says, Paul, 90 days on his journey of faith. And she makes this, she, she records this snippet And it's so powerful of the idea of what Jesus' approval was in this moment of Stephen's life. It says, Remember, Christ was up on his feet at the time, in verse 56, when Stephen was there. Can you imagine the emotions he must have experienced as he looked at two key players in the kingdom that day? One was for him, Stephen, and one was against him, Saul of Tarsus. 
because scriptures say that Saul was there as well before Saul became Paul. One covered in blood, the other covered in prayer shawls. One who could not save himself from men, the other who could not save himself from sin. One dead in body, but alive in spirit. One alive in body, but dead in spirit. One loved by God, the other loved by God. God's glorious grace. Just a day in the life of Stephen, a shooting star. He had one brief performance, one chance on stage, but it was absolutely unforgettable. As the curtain fell on his life, he received a standing ovation from the only one who really mattered. I have a feeling that seconds later, the two of them hadn't changed positions much, that Christ was still on his feet, Stephen was still crumbled to his knees. How sweet to imagine the first heavenly words that day, welcome Stephen, my joy and my crown. See, when we focus on really who we're trying to please and what we're trying to find approval, nothing else really matters, right? You know, for me as a kid, I grew up without a father. My dad was never around as a kid. And some of the most, the most compelling, most memorable moments of my life growing up were when I had other men say that they were proud of me. When I had coaches that I'd do something well and just put their hand on my back and say, I'm proud of you. Or teachers that would see me spending some time with extra kids in class or I just do something right and they say, you know, I'm proud of you. I didn't hear that a lot as a kid. I didn't hear that I'm proud of you a lot as a kid. And I can only imagine what it must feel like to have Jesus say that. Right? And I think when we look at our lives and we focus on Jesus being proud of us for what we're doing, it makes it a lot easier to say, hey, nothing else matters. This job, this, this school, this relationships, this money that I have, this house that I've acquired, stuff doesn't matter anymore. I just, I just want somebody to be proud of me for what I'm doing with my life. And Stephen knew that he didn't want other people, he, he wasn't concerned with other people being proud of him, but he was concerned with Jesus being proud of him. And if we can focus more on Jesus being proud of us and less on the world and people, man, it makes it so much easier to let go of the struggles that we have to deal with. It makes it so much easier to stand up for what we know is right. It makes it so much easier to be willing to die for this kind of faith if that's who we're really trying to please. Thirdly, he saw Jesus' authority. He saw Jesus' authority. He had known and recognized that there was a higher power than the people putting him to death. It says, I see Jesus at the right hand of God. I see him at the right side of God. You see, Jesus knew that, or Stephen knew that the people at this time that were stoning him, these, these, these highly 
you know, powerful people had no authority higher than, than the supreme authority. And I think so many times we, we choose to bow to the authority of the American culture or the world that we live in, and we completely forget that there is an even higher power that they have to answer to as well. And Stephen understood that, and Stephen knew that. And I think it's important for us to remember that as well. It says in Hebrews 12, 2 through 3, it says, Now stay focused on Jesus, who designed and perfected our faith. He endured the cross and ignored the shame of that death because he focused on the joy that was set before him, and now he is seated beside God on the throne, a place of honor. Consider the life of the one who endured such personal attacks and hostility from sinners so that you will not grow weary or lose heart. There's something so much more powerful, guys. We, we, get, we bow down too easy, you know? We, we, we want to we spend our lives pleasing the government, pleasing the political system, pleasing the culture, pleasing the agenda. We don't want to make waves. We, we would rather, because we could lose our jobs. We could go to prison. We could, we could lose everything, right? And, and we, we look at these, these authority powers that can do things to us, and, and we, we back down as Christians. And Stephen in the first century, you know, the Christians in the first century, they didn't care about that stuff because they knew that there was a higher power. They were willing to go to prison. They were willing to die. They were willing to be separated from their families. They were willing to do these things because they knew that one day there was a higher power and the small things that they were trying to protect and preserve here on earth meant nothing compared to the authority that was going to be judged on them on that final day. And I think if we can look at our lives and look at the authority that really is in our lives, what's the supreme authority? What do we bow down to the most? It's a challenging question, isn't it? And then lastly, our fourth point today is ride or die, i got to act like Jesus. Putting everything, in, putting everything together putting all these pieces together, ride or die, we got to act like Jesus. Literally everything that we've talked about so far. But then there's one extra piece, and this one sucks. <laughs> so if this has already been a hard lesson, get ready, because it's, you know, we have one last verse we got to read. This is Stephen's last words. It says, Then they put their hands over their ears, began shouting. They rushed at him, dragged him out into the city, began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of the young man named Saul. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell to his knees, shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. You see, to act like Jesus isn't just to read Scripture it isn't just to be bold. It isn't just to be obedient. But living as a disciple means we forgive. Living as a disciple means that we choose to forgive those who have wronged us. And I think so many times, part of the reason that this next generation, those kids that I had talked about, grow up with such hate in their hearts or with such skewed views on the world or with such 
persecution or such harm and damage to other people is because they watch the models of their parents and other role models that are older than them not willing to deal with forgiveness from the things that they've been hurt by. And then these kids grow up doing the same things. They bully one another. They talk trash about one another. They're, they're gossips. They're two-faced. And then they talk about people poorly behind their backs. And where do they learn that from? They don't just learn it from peers. Somebody's got to model it for them as they're younger. And I believe that Christians, we, we, do, we do the next generation a disservice when we choose not to forgive people for how they've hurt us or how they've wronged us. I'm telling you guys right now, forgiveness is a command, period. It's an obedient command. It's not, hey, it's going to take me 10 to 15, 20 years to really forgive this person. You know, I'm going to need a lot of counseling. I'm going to need a lot of classes. I'm going to need... No, you need to do what the Bible says. You need to forgive. And then, yeah, take some classes to teach you how to maintain that. Take some classes to teach you how to, how to preserve that, how to strengthen that. But don't sit here and say, I got I to gotta wait half of my life as a disciple until I can finally forgive people for what they've done to me. It's not how it works. That's not how God called us to live. If we're going to act like Jesus, we have to understand that there is a forgiveness that needs to happen immediately. And that's going to be painful. And that's not going to be fun at first. There's going to be feelings that come out of that. But I guarantee you guys, just like me, I know that some of you guys in this crowd, there are people in your lives that you have not forgiven yet because of what they've done to you. There are people in your lives that you still hold a grudge towards, that you are still not willing to come to peace with, that there could be something different for them, that there could be a hope for them, that God could love them. And I'm telling you right now, if you don't hear anything else from me today, you are damaging the Christian faith when you choose not to forgive people. You are hurting the entire message of what Jesus Christ came to do when you choose to not forgive somebody else. Now, I'm not sitting here on stage and saying you have to trust them. I'm not saying that you have to be best friends with them. I'm not saying that you need to, to, to give your lives to them. I'm not saying those things are going to take some time. Those things may never be, uh, you know, those things may never happen. You know, if somebody, if somebody hurt one of my children... I may never trust them to ever watch my kids. You know, that, that may never happen. But that's a lot different than forgiving somebody. You see, so many times we put forgiveness and trust in the same hand. It's not the same. Forgiveness needs to happen right off the bat, period. It's a command. And if you're not doing that, you're killing the Christian faith. But trust will take time, and it will take counseling, and it will take help. But don't, don't, don't put them in the same, don't group them together. And so my, my challenge to us today, guys, is... Who do you need to forgive? If you want to act like Jesus, if you want to be a ride-or-die partner with Jesus, you have to have the same mindset as Jesus, which means you have to have that same thought process that these people can be forgiven just like you've been forgiven. Right? How hypocritical is it for us to think that God can forgive us but not forgive other people? Different perspective, isn't it? right? It's hard for me to say things like that, right? Where it's like, you're killing the Christian faith. You're not really living as disciples. But isn't it what we're doing? We're living as hypocrites. So, guys, I really do challenge us today. Stephen's like, you know, it's crazy because that dude was not in the Bible for very long. <laughs> like, he was in there for two chapters and that was it. 
But man, it challenges the mess out of my life to just pull that story apart and ask myself, am I really riding or dying for Jesus? And I believe that he wants us to. And, and I believe we can all live like Stephen and we can all live like Jesus did. And what I, want, what I want to encourage you guys to do is take that step by pulling out this communication card. This is an opportunity for you to figure out where you're at in life to get you to the next level of your faith to have those same kind of feelings and thoughts that nothing else matters. I just want to be, I just want to be proud. I want, I, want, I want somebody to be proud of me. I want Jesus to be proud of my life. And maybe that's that you, you need to finally get into the Word. You need to start reading and not thinking that you know who Jesus is and start actually reading who his character is. There's only, way, there's only one way to get to know the character of God, and that's through his character in his Bible. It's not anywhere else you're going to find it. So maybe it's that you want to, you know, maybe you'll indicate on this card that you want a Bible study and just to get, get to know who God is. Check him out. See if it's somebody that you'd want to ride or die with in the first place. Maybe it's that you know God and, and you have this idea who he is and, and you trust that, but you don't have any idea how to trust people or, or you know, how to forgive people and you want community. Maybe check that you'd like to know more about our small groups and get involved with some people that are struggling just like you, that struggle with forgiving just like you, that have been forgiven just like you. You know, I don't know what it is that you guys need today, but I know that everybody needs something. I know that we all want to have this kind of faith. I'm, I know at the core of most of our lives that we all want Jesus to be proud of us. And so I encourage you guys to keep coming. I encourage you guys to fill out those cards. I encourage you guys to just give God a chance and see what he can do for your life. And that we can have stories like this in the Christian faith, just like Stephen did. And be like, man, those people were pillars of faith, and they were willing to die for their faith, and they were so bold with their faith, and they knew God's word, and they spoke that to people's lives, and it changed people's lives. It's, it's so cool to have a, have a church like that. That's the church that I want my kids to be part of. That's the church that I want to grow up in. And that's the church we're trying to build here. So I'm glad that you guys are here. We're going to take some time to fill out that card. And what we're going to do is we're going to sing a song. And as we're singing that song, I, I encourage you guys to fill out that card. And, and um, you know, we didn't come, we didn't, we didn't get you guys here to take anything from you. We're going to sing a second song. We're going to pass some baskets around. And for our members, you know, that's for a time to give a contribution to the church for what we're building and what we're, what we're developing and growing here within our ministries. Uh, but you visitors, if you guys are just visiting with us and you're trying to get to know things, we didn't get you here to try to take your money. We want to give you guys an opportunity to know God. So I encourage you to not put anything in that basket but that card to give yourself a chance to get, to get some community out of people, to, to get some help, and to get some friendships um, and see what God has in store for your life. So thank you again for coming. Uh, I'm going to say a prayer, and then uh, the worship is going to come up, and we're going to wrap the lesson up today. All right, let's pray. God, I just want to thank you so much for the opportunity to uh, talk about Stephen's life. God, Stephen is one of the most challenging, one of the most challenging people in Scripture to live like, and it's it's such a short story, God. But man, it's it's so incredible to watch the boldness that he had, the kind of man that he was. God, that's that's the kind of man that I want to be. I don't know if I'm there yet. I would like to say that I am, but. I will never know until those times arise. But God, I do know that I want to live every, life, every day of my life attaining that faith and trying to build that faith so that my kids can see that and that my kids can be modeled by that. And the church that I've been entrusted to help lead uh, can model that as well because of what they see in me, God. And I know it's going to take some time and I know it's going to take some, some effort and I'm going to make mistakes. But God, I, just, I want you to be proud of me. 
I want you to be proud of how I've lived life. And I need your help. I need your word. And I need your people. And I pray the same for everyone here today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.